next week, almost eight years ago, we were on the tour going and following the steps of the Apostle Paul. We stopped on the island of Rhodes, where Paul stopped on his uh, journey to Rome, going to be imprisoned there. As we were walking through the old city, we came upon two young girls, and the photo that is before you is one of those young girls. They were sitting there. One had an accordion. I didn't have the picture of her on the screen. But both of them sat with a little uh, basket to beg. And I believe most of our group stopped and looked at these little girls, spoke to them, dropped a little change in their uh, basket. I can remember several of us talking. We wondered where their mother and their father were. They were out there by themselves begging. This little girl looked to be maybe three, four years old. And you get to thinking, are these orphans? Did they have parents? If they had parents, where were they? Were they taking care of them? Were they providing for their needs? I know all those kinds of thoughts ran through our minds. I'm sure maybe is running through your mind now. Now I want to take you back almost 2,000 years. On a Thursday evening in an upper room, And the events that are recorded in John 13 and John 14 present to us the events that happened in that upper room. The disciples gathered together and they celebrated the Passover meal. That feast with all of the things that went along with it had so many mental images that were in their mind. You have to think about the Passover lamb And you think about the blood that was placed on the doorpost and on the lintel. And how they remember God's deliverance from that Egyptian bondage with the angel of death that once the angel of death saw the blood passed over them. All so much imagery that followed with that because right after the meal, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Verses 23 and following, you realize the Lord established the Lord's Supper. He took the bread and he said, this is my body, take, eat, and do in remembrance of me. He also took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is poured out for you for the remission of sins. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28. What a powerful event that must have been. Following that, the Lord washed the disciples' feet. They sat there together and they had been arguing among themselves as to which of them would be the greatest. And the Lord wanted to teach them an important lesson. So he adorned a towel around about him. He got down and he took a water basin and washed their feet in order to try to teach them the importance of service. Immediately after that, the Lord announced very plainly, very clearly that he was leaving, that his departure was imminent. We'll look at that a little more later. 
Then the Lord is now going to announce to them his plan for the apostles' guidance. What will happen to them? They're like little children. They need guidance. They need direction. And so here's what we want to study beginning in John chapter 14, verse 16, going through the end of the chapter. We want to look at the Lord's departure. We want to look at the direction that he gave his apostles. And then finally, the provision for their peace and their protection. Jesus had already announced he was leaving. And you can imagine the kind of discouragement, depression, and distress that that brought. If you go back to chapter 13 and verse 33, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you. I want you to observe, the Lord says, little children. They are still like little children. They do need the guidance and the direction the Lord is going to provide. When you get to chapter, verse 36 of chapter 13, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going. You cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. I want to follow you now, Lord. Where are you going? Get to chapter 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Obviously they are discouraged and despondent over this. Their hearts are troubled. Verses 4 and 5. And where I go you know and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? These disciples are obviously disturbed at the Lord's announcing his departure. I want you to visualize for just a moment children that have a parent leaving. I want you to visualize, here's a home where the mother and the father sit down before the children and they look them in the eyes and say, Daddy's not going to be here anymore. Daddy's got to leave. Or Mama's not going to be here anymore. Mama's going to leave. I can't tell you the heartache and the heartbreak that goes not with just the mama and the daddy who are getting a divorce, but the part of the, the little children experience. Because they are bereft of a parent. Or imagine, here's a young man with young children and he walks in and he sits down and he says, the military has called upon me to go to Afghanistan to Iraq, to one of these war zones, and I have been deployed, and Daddy may not come back again. And sometimes you see those coffins draped with an American flag, and you realize that some little boy, some little girl will never see Mama and Daddy again. And you realize that that statement that was made, you may not see me again, was really true. Or imagine you get the very sad words when you go visit a doctor. I'm sorry, but the illness that you have 
is going to take your life and it won't be long. And that mother and that daddy sit down before the children and say, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be here much longer. And just like Jesus said to these apostles, you know the the heartache, the disturbance, the sadness that would go with that. These disciples are greatly disturbed about what the Lord has just told them. And yet... The Lord tells them that not only is this good, but it's necessary. Notice with me chapter 14 and verse 28. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father. For just a moment, imagine Jesus' perspective. He has been away from the Father. For some 33 years. You see he's not been in the very presence of the father. For him it is a home going. It's a time to be returned to the father. Jesus said if you looked at it from my perspective. This is something that is good. But who will provide their needed guidance? Their little children. They need guidance. They need direction. Who is going to provide that for them? And so we move to our second part. Now look with me at chapter 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Notice the Lord's term there. It's to your advantage. It's for your benefit that I do this. When you go to chapter 14, let's look at verses 16 through 18 again. Brother Ryan read them just a few moments ago. And he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now the famous phrase from verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. The Lord said, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to see that there is someone there to make sure that you are directed and you are guided. In many ways, they are children. In fact, we looked at chapter 13, verse 33, when he refers to them, my little children. But they're acting like children. They're arguing about which one of them is the greatest. They're acting like children who don't know what to do and where to go. Lord, where are you going? How can we know the way, Thomas would tell him. Peter said, Lord, where are you going? Why can I not follow you now? All of this is reflective of the fact that they are deeply in need as children. But the truth is the Lord's been preparing them for three years. As he walked along the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he looked and saw Peter and Andrew, as he saw James and John, 
as he saw Matthew, the tax collector, as he met various ones of these men, and he said, follow me. These brethren have now been following the Lord. They've been listening to the teachings that he had provided. They had learned from him individually and collectively. Yet they were not ready. They needed more guidance. They needed someone to provide for them more information. Well, if you'll notice the phrase, the Lord said, I will send you another helper. The word another means one of the same kind. In other words, I have been one of them and there's going to be another one like me that's going to provide you the guidance. The word helper is the New King James translation. If you're reading the original King James or perhaps the American Standard, you'll see the word comforter. The Greek word is paraclete. Not parakeet, paraclete. The word para, from which we get a word parallel, means beside. The latter part of that word means to call. Literally, it means to call somebody to your side. And depending upon your situation is the kind of person you call. If you're in legal trouble, the person you call to your side is a lawyer. 1 John 2 verse 1 says, My little children, I write unto you that you may not sin. Yet if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The word advocate there is the same word here. If a person is suffering and a person is grieving, the person that you call to your side is a comforter. Someone who comforts you in your time of grief and sorrow. The idea of helper reflects what these disciples need. They need someone by their side to help them through the difficult times. Now, let's understand that then. He is called the Spirit of Truth. Let's go back to chapter 15 and verse 26. But when He, the Helper, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. It's the Spirit of Truth who's going to be the Helper. In chapter 16 and verse 13, However, when He, the Spirit of Truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. Now notice for just a moment from verse 13 there. He will guide you into all truth. Do you mean Peter and Andrew and James and John and Philip and Thomas and Matthew and Bartholomew? All you men are going to be guided into all truth. Yes, everything they need. The Spirit is going to provide. The Spirit of truth. The last phrase of verse 13, He will tell you the things to come. They would be provided with advanced knowledge of the things before them. Going back to chapter 14, verse 26, But when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things 
and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. That tells us that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, was going to provide each of those apostles not only with all the truth, but they were going to be reminded of everything, all that the Lord had said to them. Can you imagine that kind of recall? Some of you young people either have taken or are taking final exams. Can you imagine being able to remember everything the teacher told you? That's the kind of remembrance the Holy Spirit was going to provide them. And the Holy Spirit had a mission through them. In chapter 16, verses 12 through 16, he says, I have many things to say to you now, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all the truth. Verse 16, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me again because I go to the Father. The Spirit was going to provide them with a guidance. Now, why did they need this direction? Not everything had been revealed. You see, up to this point in time, the Lord had told them a number of things, but not everything. You go back to verse 12. He says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You can't handle them now. Sometimes when you begin a job, the employer will tell you some of the things. They don't tell you all the things. The reason why they don't tell you all the things is they don't want you to run. I don't know that if somebody had told me everything you do as a preacher when I was training to preach, if I would have done what I'm doing I tell you, I love it, but there's a lot more to it than people realize. And every job is that way. You're not ready to receive everything now, but the Spirit's going to provide them to you. One of the things is they were going to be put in trying circumstances. When you get to chapter 16, verse 1, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've told you these things that when the time comes you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. You see, the Lord has been providing them a little bit of information all along. And now he's trying to tell them, this is what's ahead of you. Now, I understand there's a lot of people who have questions in their minds and say, well, I've always read John 14, 15, and 16, and I've read with the idea that he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And is that not a promise for me? Is he not our comforter? Is he not our helper? Well, it's always important to see a passage in its proper context. In this context, the Holy Spirit was given to them to allow them to be effective witnesses for the Lord. And I key on the word witness. A witness is someone who has 
eyesight, ear hearing. They're able to give first-hand account of the events. In Acts 1 and verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, this was a promise made to the apostles, not to everybody. They, not us, are the witnesses. John 15, verses 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You see, he's referring to people who had traveled with the Lord He's not leaving them orphans because they needed the guidance, they needed the direction that he was going to provide. Now let's go to the end of chapter 14. Let's look at verses 27 through 31. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk with you much or talk much with you. For the ruler of the world is coming. And he has nothing in me but that the world may know that I love the Father and that the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Knowing what to expect sometimes provides some peace and contentment. Just knowing what you will experience Quite frequently, if you are preparing for some sort of medical procedure, the doctor will come in and explain, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, and the purpose of that is to allay fears. Part of the Lord's provision for these disciples is information. This is what's going to take place. But Jesus also explained to them that Just like he was in this world, they are in this world, and he overcame and they can overcome. Verse 33 of chapter 16. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus said, you look around about you. Can you overcome? And the answer is absolutely yes. When John wrote the book of Revelation, in chapters 2 and 3, to him that overcomes, I will, and then you can look at each one of the seven churches and see what the Lord promised to those who overcame. You see, there was provision for peace, provision for their protection. 
Paul would put it like this in Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You see, one of the things that was of great protection and great provision for them was not only God's communication to them, but was the privilege of communicating back with God, which you and I enjoy. You see, these disciples, the apostles, who were in the Lord, with the Lord in the upper room, had this guidance, this direction, this work of the Holy Spirit directly. Whether it was Peter or Thomas or Philip, the Holy Spirit came upon them and provided them everything that they needed. Someone says, what about us? You and I have the benefit of the work indirectly. In John 17, verse 20, I pray for thee, do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe on me through their word. When the Lord was praying to the Father, he said, there will be people who will believe on me because of the word of these men. Do you know what? You and I are believers because of the words of the apostle. In chapter 2, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians, these things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, combining spiritual things with spiritual words. You get down to verse 16, and he says, we have the mind of Christ. That is, when Paul would write 1 Corinthians, or Peter would write 1 Peter, or John would write the book of Revelation, that was the communication of God through these men to us. And Peter captures it so well in 1 Peter chapter, or 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That is, when you open your Bible, you have the benefit that the Lord provided through those apostles. This word led them to be baptized. In Acts 2, verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and there were added to them that day about 3,000 souls. This morning, if you're not a Christian, the message of the Spirit is very clear. You need to be saved from your sins, believing in the, Jesus as the Son of God, repenting of your sins, confessing that faith, and being baptized as those people were in Acts chapter 2. If you are a Christian and you are struggling with sin, we can pray with you and we can pray for you. If you need to become a child of God or return to faithfulness, 
We urge you to do so while together we stand and sing.